Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. Taking our Bible reading from 1 Samuel 20, verse 12 to 13, 24 to 35, 41 to 42, chapter 23, verse 15 to 18. When I'm done reading, I would say this is the word of the Lord and kindly respond by saying thanks be to God. Verse 12. Then Jonathan said to David, I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, that I will surely sound out my father by this time, the day after tomorrow. If he is favorably disposed toward you, will I not send you word and let you know? But if my father intends to harm you, may the Lord deal with Jonathan, be it so severely, if I do not let you know and send you away in peace. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. Verse 24. So David hid in the field, and when the new moon feast came, the king sat down to eat. He sat in his customary place by the wall opposite Jonathan, and Abner sat next to Saul, but David's place was empty. Saul said nothing that day, but he thought something must have happened to David to make him ceremonially unclean. Surely he is unclean. But the next day, the second day of the month, David's place was empty again. Then Saul said to his son, Jonathan, why hasn't the son of Jesse come to the mill, either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered, David earnestly asked me for permission to go to Bethlehem. He said, let me go because our family is observing a sacrifice in the town and my brother has ordered me to be there. If I have found favor in your eyes, let me get away to see my brothers. That is why he has not come to the king's table. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan and he said to him, You son of a perverse and rebellious woman, don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled his spear at him to kill him. Then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. Jonathan got up from the table in fierce anger. On that second day of the feast, he did not eat because he was grieved at his father's shameful treatment of David. In the morning, Jonathan went out to the field for his meeting with David. He had a small boy with him. After the meeting had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. Then they kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the most. Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left. And Jonathan went back to town. Verse 15. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be the second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horesh. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Hanatu. And um, good morning, everyone. Nice to see us all, and uh, nice to be with you. If you are watching us online, 
We um, are so glad to have you with us. My name is Femi Oshinui, and as Chidma said, we are, we, we are in a new series, but it's a short series. So it's a three-part series. We started last week, and so if you're joining us for the first time, we're happy to have you here. It's about friendship. We named the series, um, Do You Have a Friend? Yeah, so, and it's a question. And we want to be examining that as, as we go on. All right. But I hope we've been blessed so far. And now, if, uh, we, if we want to be blessed further, it's important to ask God to, to be with us. So let's ask for the presence of God. Lord God Almighty, Jesus who sits on the throne. Holy Spirit. We ask for your presence now. We ask for you to move, not only this hall, move through the, 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 the waves in the hearts of the people who are listening and watching. We pray for the illumination of the word of God. We pray for light. Father, we pray, Lord, that people will not, be, will not live here the same way. Father, we pray, O oh God, for the opening of eyes. And now, Holy Spirit, we pray that as you come here with us, we pray that you would teach, you would, um, what we know not, you will teach us. We pray that what we have not, you will give us. We pray that what we cannot, you will help us. And we pray that what we are not, you will make us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't often remember dates, I don't often remember uh, big milestones. I only have a couple of milestones in my life. And uh, when those things come, I really reflect on them and they're so important. So, you know, birthdays, that's a huge milestone, what we say. I don't forget that. Um, uh, anniversary, all right, anniversary, my anniversary, parents' anniversaries, don't forget that. These are big milestones. Um, and when I graduate, well, I'm not sure. <laughs> when you graduate from Nigeria University, I'm not even sure when exactly you graduated. It all depends. But you know, big, big things. And, and one of the biggest ones for me, right, which I've been thinking about very recently, is my Facebook anniversary. <laughs> right? Yeah, honestly. It, it was, it's coming up to 14 years now. 14 years, yeah, veteran. I remember, I remember joining those days, you know, that's when social media was social. Right now it's antisocial. And if you want to understand that, we had a series uh, on the intersection between Christianity and technology last year. It's called Rewired. Check out number two, someone number two there, where you can listen to everything there. However, back to it. It, it is, because, you know, when you joined that time, you saw old school friends, you saw current people, you know, those kind of things. You connected. I remember in my first year, I probably had some around 100, 150 friends. 100, 150 friends. I checked this week. It's somewhere around 2,500 friends. Right? 2,500. Now, some of you don't judge me because some of you have more than that. Right? You have more friends than that. Now, I think they say Facebook pegged it at 5,000 friends. So you can have more than 5,000 friends. Because they figured that no human being can have up to 5,000 friends. I mean, it's possible to have 4,900 friends. <laughs> but not 5,000 friends. <laughs> now, the truth is, at 2,500, I, I don't even know. A lot of the people I don't even know. I actually don't know. I just see, if I see one mutual friend, I, I yes, OK. Right? I, like, I don't know who they are. And one of the ways you can tell that we are not friends, one of the telling ways you can tell that we are not friends, you know what it is? We don't talk. I don't talk to them. I don't communicate. I pay something. Some people will go uh, in my DM and start saying, hello. <laughs> Somebody said, hello. I don't know, who is this? Can he say, later I said, I, get, I guess pastors of nowadays don't respond. <laughs> say, guy, something else is worrying you. It's not with me. You can't say you truly have a friend that you don't communicate with. Communication among people that you classify as friends, sadly, today, is a dying art. And yet, 
you can't truly say that you have friends that you don't communicate with. Why? Because meaningful friendships require consistent communication. There's a reason why, there are reasons why this is a dying out. I'm not going through that. But what I do want to say that we learned through the story of David and Jonathan is that friendships thrive when there is communication between both parties. And furthermore, the quality of the, of the communication reveals the depth of the friendship that they have. Your deep friend, the kind that you need to flourish in life, must be the friend that you can tell anything. So I'm praying that in this sermon, which we have titled The Friend You Can Tell Anything, I'm praying that at the end of it, you would examine yourself and you'll examine the friendships that you have. And hopefully as you do that, you'll be able to work in making them more like the friends that God wants us to be. But more importantly, I pray that you would see how the gospel promises us the closest friend we could all ask for. So I want us to rush through this sermon. Um, under three headings, as I said, the title is The Friend You Can Tell Anything. First, the necessity of communication. Second, the kinds of communication. And third, the treasure of communication. Necessity of communication, kinds of communication, and the treasure of communication. Question, why do you think that of all the ancient stories, ancient stories within and outside of the Bible, that the story of Jonathan and David, when it comes to friendship, is the most popular. How do we even know that they were friends? Let me even ask that. How do we know David and Jonathan were friends? Well, I'll tell you, very simple, right? Because we see them together. And when we see them together, we see them talking. Shikina. Simple. They talk. That's how we know they're friends. Now, it may seem a little bit absurd, but actually, these simple things are the things that are being assumed today. We just assume eh, that they are talking, but that's not the most important thing that makes friends. But I'd say that right now, in this antisocial age, it is worth emphasizing even much more that communication is necessary for building any kind of meaningful friendship. Let me try to explain further. How many former head boys or head girls here in the house? Former head boy, head girl. Just raise your hand. Any? 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 Good. You raised up, right? Right? And, as, no, no assistant. <laughs> assistant is like, assistant head, head boy, head girl is like vice president. An honorific title that means absolutely nothing. Uh, I said it. What's your problem? Now, for those of you, let me just quickly say, for those of you, BC, I saw you, Emmanuel, you, of course, you'll be one now, right? Let, and the rest that raised up their hand, let me just say, first of all, don't let your head swell. Because I could have been head boy in my time. No, I'm serious about it. I could have been. My first experience of rigging, political rigging in Nigeria came in secondary school when they didn't give me head boy. You know what they gave it to? They gave it to a guy who they nicknamed Pastor. Because he was supposedly holy and everything and all of that. Who is the pastor now? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. He may be a pastor, he may be, but I don't know. But those people, those people, they didn't have prophetic insights. The head boy was meant to be pastor, but they couldn't see. Now, back to that. Now, I didn't get that, but I got the next best thing. You know what it was? Not deputy, not assistant. Stop it. Social prefect. Social prefect. You understand? Now, I think in, the, in that school's uh, history, I probably was the worst social prefect ever. I won't lie. I didn't really know what I was doing. So it was towards the end I started to understand what the thing really meant. So it didn't work for me there, but I think it helped me in later life. Because, for instance, I like parties, but not, you know, um, big, big parties. I like small parties. I like to host them. And let me tell you a secret of hosting a very good party, small party, right? A secret there is that don't flood it with too many events. Don't flood it with too many events. Flood it with just enough events and to create an atmosphere where the real magic happens. 
I think you're writing a consultancy or, or. But what's the real magic? What's the real magic? You know what it is? It is interaction and communication. Interaction and communication. The reason why social, a lot of social media platforms are antisocial today is that there is too much on it. There's so much activity, so, so many videos, so much apropos, so, you know, so many things to distract you so that you end up not really interacting with people, you end up interacting with the platform and the algorithms. And so, ironically, social media has created more antisocial beings. We end up not interacting with the people that it says that it's going to connect us with. And so once you kill the possibility of interaction, you kill the possibility of friendship because you just killed communication, which is important for any meaningful friendship. Are you with me? Now, but it's not just the fact that you should communicate that matters. The kind of communication matters. You see, if you read the book of 1 Samuel, Saul and David had a fair bit of communication with themselves. But they were not friends. How do we know? The nature of the communication. That's why some of us here need to take stock. We need to take stock of the nature of our friendships. The nature of relationships. The nature of friends that we think we are. You see, 1 Samuel 20 that Hanato read from was for Jonathan a if you like, it was a taking stock um, uh, 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 period for Jonathan, 1 Samuel 20. What do I mean by taking stock? He had to evaluate his friendships. He eventually came to understand his friendships. What do I mean? Hannah didn't read verses 1 and 2, but in verses 1 and 2, David and Jonathan meet up. Well, this is the beginning of how they meet up here. right? David had fled. He says, David fled from Nath at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, what have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father? He's trying to kill me. Jonathan then says, never. You are not going to die. Jonathan says, you are not going to die. Do you know why he knows David is not going to die? Do you know why? Because Jonathan is absolutely sure about the nature of friendship he has with his dad. And he feels that he and his dad have a deep friendship. Why? Because... There is nothing that his dad is going to do, anything significant that his dad is not going to tell him. Notice what he says. My father doesn't do anything great or small without letting me know. Why would he hide this from me? Now, David is not convinced because he has tried to kill him in the previous chapters. So they eventually start talking, and then they set up a test. And the test was that there was going to be a new a feast, a new moon feast. Saul and his, uh, his children, but also some of his senior officials, will sit on the, on, the, on the table together over a number of days. So David says, look, this is what will happen. I won't show up. If I don't show up, the reaction, tell your father that you allowed me to go, but the reaction of your father is going to tell whether or not he's truly trying, he's going to reveal to you whether or not he's trying to kill me, or he wasn't. And so they set that up. And that's where the reading sort of comes in uh, from verse 24. So David hid. He didn't go to his, uh, uh, his town, which is what Jonathan said. He hid in the field. And then when that happened, first day happens, Saul wonders, why is David not here? And he says, okay, give him benefit of doubt. Maybe he was unclean and so ceremonially unclean and so he couldn't come. But on the second day, when he didn't see him again, he then asked Jonathan, where is this guy? Well, I said, oh, I had to give him permission. There was a sacrifice that was going to happen in his hometown, Bethlehem, and he had to go, da 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 And Saul erupted. He erupted. Saul was not, um, he, wa he wasn't a king that minded his words. Let's just put it that way. Right? He, he, imagine, he called his son a, a, the son of a rebellious woman. In another version, he's the son of a perverse woman. In 21st century language, it is the son of a female dog. You know what I mean. Yeah, the, the holy ones are still trying to catch up. It will come to you later. 
But seriously, that's what he called him. And when Jonathan then questions and then says, ah, what, 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 what's all this? He says, look, this guy, because of this guy, you won't inherit this kingdom. He said, what, what's all this? Why should he die? What, what has he done? So carried a spear and threw it at Jonathan. And that's when, in verse 33, it says, then Jonathan knew his father intended to kill David. Now, for the purpose of here, why verse 33 is so important is, remember how he started. Will my father do a significant thing without telling me? After this incident, he realized that truly, his father will do certain things. His father had kept certain things from him. In other words, the friendship that Saul, uh, Jonathan thought he had with Saul was not actually true. Who are the friends that you think you have that are not really your friends? On the other hand, when you read verse 24, uh, verse 13 and, uh, 12 and 13, contrast that with David. When they had agreed that they were going to set up this test, what did Jonathan say to show him that, look, I am truly your friend? Verse 12. Verse, 13, uh, uh, verse 12, he says, I swear to Yahweh, the God of Israel, that I will surely sound out my father by this time, the day after tomorrow. If he is favorably disposed towards you, will I not send word to what? Let you know. But if my father intends to harm you, may the Lord deal with Jonathan, be it ever so severely. If I do not let you know and send you away. In other words, Jonathan was saying, you can tell that I am truly your friend because I will not keep things from you. The level of their communication, the depth of it, revealed the kind of friendship they had. Later in chapter 23, we see again that they communicate at a deep level. We are not told that they communicated frequently. But we are told that they did communicate consistently. And whenever they met, the nature of their conversations were Deep were significant. The depth of friendship goes only as far as the depth of knowledge of each other. That is when I speak to my friend, when I communicate and they communicate with me, what are we doing? We are revealing more of ourselves. And when we reveal more of ourselves, we can know each other more, and that leads more to deeper friendship. And he then asks, what, kind, what is this deep communication? What does it mean? Because you see, the deep communication can only, you can only understand within the boundaries of the kinds of communication that exists among different kinds of friends. In other words, there are different kinds of communication. And I have to take stock of the friends I had based on the kind of level of, the kinds of communications that we had among each other about a year ago. So I want to take that, that takes us to my second point. Because I said, I think we all need to take stock of the kinds of friends that we have. My second point, which says kinds of communication. Hear this, there are five different levels of communication among people that will call themselves friends. Five different levels of communication. Now, the first two are basic. I won't look too much into them. First two are basic. The last three are really important, all right? And so we'll get a little bit into those. But what are these five things? Facts, opinions, interests, support, accountability. Facts, opinions, interests, support, accountability. Let's talk about level one and level two. Imagine you went for a party. They created the atmosphere very well. So magic started to happen, right? No, so I, I should say this. If you are not communicating with anybody within level one to level five, you know who they are called? They are called strangers. All right? They are called what? Strangers. You don't know them. You don't know who is this person. So now, imagine you went for a party. And in that party, they allow some magic to happen. You start communicating with somebody. You see that the person is going to check Premier League scores. So you ask the person, what are the scores? Oh, between Chelsea and uh, Arsenal. You say, oh. Chelsea won, Arsenal four. Like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you people? 
You have just at that point established facts. And I just gave you facts now. All right? When you just said the scores, you guys are interacting. And what has happened? You just gave what? Facts. These are the scores. Level one. But if you then go on to then say, oh, and because of that, Frank Lampard has been sacked as the coach of Chelsea, as the manager of Chelsea. If the person said that, not only has he given you facts, if you then react with, I don't think Lampard should have been sacked. Lampard had only spent how long? He had a very good season the previous year. He bought new players, and those players have not yet settled. I think he should have been given a lot more time. Look at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Look at Mikel Arteta. They are young managers that are being given time. What has happened? You move from level one to level two. Now you are giving opinions. Level one is facts. Level two is opinions. And when you have this with these people, right, if your level of communication ends at level one, level two, that is what we call acquaintance talk. And people like that, if it ends there, if you don't exchange numbers, if you don't whatever, if it ends there, many times you forget who these people are. You may not remember them. I have been acquainted with this person. But they are not memorable friends. Do you understand me? When people start becoming memorable is when you get into level three to five communication. Level three to five. So let's talk about level three communication, which is interest. Interest. Now, in David and Jonathan's time, I don't know what kind of sports they had. And if they ever were interested in sports, it wasn't recorded for us. However, I can insinuate that apart from talking about covenants and all the things they were talking about, they probably also spoke about military strategy. Because this, remember, verse 14, Jonathan had a fantastic victory. Verse 17, David had, and uh, chapter 17, sorry, chapter 14, Jonathan had a great victory against Philistines. And then David had in chapter 17, and then David continued different missions. They were both, you know, senior officials in the army. So you can tell that both of them would have discussed things like that. Why? Because they were, they had common what? Interests. Have you ever met the kind of people that talk, oh, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I'm going to eat dried ones. Sorry, there's a song that some of you may not know. But this kind of, nobody wants to be my friend. Nobody wants to be my friend. They're always complaining. They say they want friends, but nobody wants to be my friend. I just want friends. I just want friends. Well, the problem with that is that you truly, friends come at what? When, at this level, when you have the similar interests, it is really like this. You are not trying to look for friends. You, are, you have an interest, and finding that interest, going on or pursuing that interest is like going on a journey. And then you find other people also what? On that journey. And you become friends because of those interests. C.S. Lewis says this. The typical expression of opening friendships will be something like, quote, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. Do you understand? I once in my life, once in my life, I will never do it again. I once went mountain hiking. <laughs> I understand my, uh, my, children, my children came to meet my wife yesterday. They said, ah, mommy, um, can we go camping? Now, I don't know what she said, but they now came to meet me. I said, Daddy, why can't we go camping? <laughs> I, told, I gave them an answer. They said, that's exactly what my mom said. What was it? I said, we are Nigerians. We don't camp. <laughs> I should have given myself that advice over 10 years ago when I went mountain hiking. But one of the things I noticed about mountain hikers is that people meet each other as they are going up, ascending up the hill, and they then start talking. Why? Because they are on a journey to a summit. I didn't make the summit. <laughs> I told my German friends, and there was another lady with us, an Igbo girl. She said, yeah. <laughs> and I figured, we read half and we came back. All right? Lesson learned. But it is that you find friends, sometimes not by finding friends, but, but by finding people on the same journey of a common interest. 
That's why C.S. Lewis now finishes that quote and he then says this. It may seem a bit rude, but he said that is why those pathetic people who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. And friends often would have common interests. Sometimes you may see, ah, when you look at them on the surface, you'll be like, how do these ones have anything in common? I have a friend, one of my closest friends, his name is Bolaji. Bolaji and I, on the surface of things, you wonder how we can be friends. Bolaji wears shorts to church. I will never do that. Bolaji and I, Bolaji is not that, you know, we didn't have the same interest in business, we didn't have the same interest in fashion, we didn't have the same interest in many different things. We enrolled in the same class together. One day, by happenstance, I can't remember what happened, we were on the phone. I think we already talked about some schoolwork. We did. Eventually, we spoke for about three hours. Why? We found out that we had common interest in Christianity, ministry, and tennis. Today, Bolaji is one of my best friends. It may not seem immediately clear that some people may have common interests, but actually, many times, the friends that we have, if you dig further, you'll find out that there's something else. This is why people that say you can't be friends with people at work. I, I, no. If you have a, an organization, an health, a healthy organization that has defined the, the goal and the mission of that organization, and there are people that are bought into it, little wonder why some of those people will be friends. They are level three friends. And can I say one more thing? To us as a church, this is your barest minimum. It's a barest minimum. Because the church, at least this church, has a, a vision. We have a mission. This is why in our membership, we not just only call you to affirm certain foundational doctrines, but we ask you to affirm the values, the vision, and the mission of the church. Why? Because if we are going to achieve that vision and mission, which is a journey, we have to journey together. For us to journey together and pursue it, we can't be fighting. We must be what? Friends at level three at the place of interest. Do we understand this? Yes. Now, but that takes me to level four, support. In chapter 23, because in chapter 20, eventually, they kissed each other and they left. He said, I will tell you if my father wants to kill you, and I will send you away, and he did. Now, in chapter 23, a few years have passed. You know what has happened? David has just been running away from Saul, moving from place to place, moving from place to place. Saul is obsessed with getting David and killing him. And at some point, God has just delivered David again. He now moves to this place, this uh, Horish uh, uh, in Ziph, the, the, the desert of Ziph. He's tired. Imagine, think about this. He's been running, 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 and he now gets to a desert. He's just tired. How long will I continue to be running away from this person? Everywhere. David lost his strength. And what he says here is that in verse 16 of chapter 23, and Saul's son, ironic, Jonathan, went to David at Horish, and he did what? He helped him find strength in God. What a friend. You see, level three friends are what you would call, level three that I just spoke about, interest. They'll be what you call genuine friends. These are your genuine friends. The other ones were acquaintances. This one you can say, this is my genuine friend. But at level four, it's not just that they're your genuine friends. These are the people you will call my good friend. Why? Because in your time of greatest difficulty, they showed up for you. This is where you have good friends talk. Because it's one thing for us to hang out. It's one thing for us to watch sports together. It's one thing for us to have drinks together. It's one thing for us to go and tour Lagos restaurants together, to vacate, uh, to do vacations together. But when things are tough, will you inconvenience yourself for me or will you inconvenience yourself for them? Sadly, most friendships, when we talk about friendships, and people say, this person is my friend, they're just your genuine friend. Because in your most difficult times, you don't think about calling them. They're not your good friends, even though you call them my very good friend. No, you're very good friend because you guys laugh all the time. You like to hang out together. But when the robber hits the road, are they the ones that you call? No, you call your sister. You have the person that you call 
even when you don't hang out with them all the time. As we said, that David and Jonathan had not seen each other in years. And yet, when David was really in a, in a dire strait, who came? Jonathan came and helped him find strength in God. The ancient Greek, uh, Greek uh, tragedian, uh, Euripides, says this. Friends show their love in times of trouble, not happiness. What he was doing was talking about level four friends. Solomon beat into it. Solomon in verse 20, uh, Proverbs 27, verse 6 says, Wounds. I'm uh, sorry, he says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is what? Born for a time of adversity. 17, verse 17. A brother is born for a time of what? Adversity. You are not good friends with someone until you are able to say, man, call, I'm, I'm, things are hard. And then that one comes around and says, it's not, ah, um, ah in my bedtime, you don't normally, they say good sleep is good for, okay, I'm going to work tomorrow. Says, oh. Now, I am not saying, look, it's not everybody that will call me that will, at 2 a.m. You can say, if you like, look at me and say, are you not a pastor? A pastor must sleep. Okay? <laughs> it's not everybody. And I won't lie to you. There are people, there are times in the day, because I have a structured week, a structured day, a structured week, there are times people will call, I won't answer. I won't answer. That person called three, four. I know some of you are saying, eh, yes. I won't answer. I won't answer. I'll see somebody else's call like this. Immediately, first ring, I'll answer. No, I'll return the other people's calls. Though. There's a time for that. Well, let me just say, some of you I don't answer because the phone is all the other way down. Do you understand? But, but this... Oh, wow. I apologize. I don't know why. Can we go back to the sermon? Can we forget this example? Let's just say, a brother is born for a time of adversity. Yes, yes. Good friends. So you have acquaintance talk at level one and level two. You have good friend talk, and you have genuine friend at a friend talk at level three, but at level four, where it is adversity, you are both able to exchange talk on the things you are going through, and you are able to give each other mutual support. My friend Bolaji, as I said before, there was a time uh, about eight years ago, seven, eight years, no, eight, nine years ago actually, where I thought my life was not going anywhere. Nine, nine years. I thought my life was not going anywhere. I was hitting certain disappointments, and then I got hit with the um, onset of a particular illness. I didn't know what it was. And I couldn't find strength anywhere. And I just finished talking with Tosi, and she didn't take it well. She went somewhere. I was home alone. And I called Bolaji, and I didn't know. I just started bawling. I was weeping. I don't know what I'm going to do. Not only did he show up, he showed up with his wife that evening. And one of the things they said, he said, we are going to do this thing together. I tell you, if you didn't come that evening, I won't be standing here today. A brother is born for a time of what? Adversity. I've had some of those kinds of friendships here in this church. I just don't want to call names so that people will not get, you know. Uh, but they are there for you. That's level four. I said, quite sadly, too many people are only, only have level three friends. Some of us have a few level four friends. But then there's level five. And let me say, if I can measure, I'll tell you that people with level five friendship amongst people, amongst church folk, people in Lagos, is not near 0.1%. It's not. Accountability. A few years ago, well, actually, several years ago, I met a group of friends somewhere. I went to a group of friends somewhere. They had been friends for a long time, at least close to a decade and a half when I met them. Friends, they kept in touch with each other. And I started to know them individually. And when I saw their friendship, I thought, man, this is admirable. Until one of them came and shared marital problems with me. Okay. And then another one 
months later, came and shared marital problems with me. And then another one, weeks later, came and shared marital problems with me. Now, when I say marital problems, both where they were wrong or where they thought their wives were wrong or what have you. Do you know what I realized in those conversations? None of those friends knew about those marital problems at all. I was the only one that knew. But neither of them knew about what was going on in the other person's life in terms of the marriage. Until I told one of them, I said, look, you guys, right, are all, you, you are level three, at best level four friends, parading as though you are level five friends. Because level five friends are the ones who keep you accountable. They are the ones that can tell you you are wrong. They are the ones that inflict wounds. Here's what Proverbs says. Proverbs 27 verse 6. He says, wounds from a friend can be what? Trusted, but an enemy multiplies what? Kisses. Are you an enemy to your friend, supposedly? Can you tell your supposed friend where they are going off? Or can you receive the wounds from that friend? Or all you ever want to hear is kisses. Kisses. Not only can they tell you where they are, you are wrong, where morally wrong, but they can also give you advice about when something you are unwise and you are foolish. 27 verse 9 says, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their what? Heartfelt advice. One of my other very close friends, who I mentioned last week, Francis, a few, uh, two, three, three years ago, or two years ago, something happened. Well, four years ago, he was behaving in a particular way I didn't like. And I thought I'd spoken to him about it, you know, in a, well, I'd given him hints about it. And when he didn't budge, I just said, well, I'm not going to be wasting my time talking about it. I'll just do what I need to do. I know that I can't do it with him. About a year or a year and a half later, we were, something came up that we had to do together. And he was like, ah, let's do this thing. But that thing was at a deeper level than what I felt he wasn't putting his weight into. So I wasn't willing. So I was wondering, so why in my house? And I said, well, I'll just tell him that, look, I can't do this thing with you. I said, because, you know, last year, year and a half, when... You know, I was telling you this, da, 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 da. So I just go. You know when you say, I don't, I don't have more to say. <laughs> you start off with one minute, one minute, and I then ran for like 10 minutes. So the thing came out. So he stopped. He finished. He now said, well, first of all, I apologize for that. I, I, I actually didn't actively know I was doing that. I, I apologize. I, I'm really sorry. I can see how that and this is impacted you and everything. And then he said, I am absolutely stunned that you are my friend like this. And you've kept this thing this number of years and you couldn't tell me. Ah, that he paid me. <laughs> because he was absolutely right. He was absolutely what? Right. If he, I, I would have considered him a level five friend, but I was scared of saying the thing. Or take heartfelt advice. Let's just be frank. There are people have done this to them in this church and beyond, not because it's level, it's just because pastor or whatever. There are some people I've just called to my office and say, or somewhere, I just say, take president, deodorant, take. Take deodorant, take. I care for them. We are not whatever. You, do you understand? Like, you are not smelling good. It's not good for you. <laughs> Take deodorant. You don't know the person's background. You don't know whether they told them that, you know, deodorant is going to cause cancer, use all this natural. So I don't know. But all I know is that whatever you're doing is not working. <laughs> and the person doesn't know. Let me say this. There are some of you that would say that you have level five friends. They have stink-ass breath. They have body odor. And I'm not saying that as a, in a moral condition that when this person enters, even if you close your eyes, 
you know this person is in this place. I know, I'm telling you, I know people like that. But I'm not their pastor and I'm not their level five friend. Some of you will say that you are friends and you've never been able to tell them that. Heartfelt advice. That reveals to me that though you are parading as a level five friend, you are probably level three or level four. And let me tell you why these things don't happen. Let me tell you why, why I didn't tell Francis. Why don't we tell? We don't tell for fear of discomfort and awkwardness. That is going to create something. And so we can't do our level three things again, you know, where we just go and just hang out and whatever. Because now, now I've introduced this sort of, no, I, I don't want to do that. You're only just showing that what? Your comfort means more to you than that person's well-being. Simple. Your self-preservation. Maybe you don't want pushback. You are going to throw it out there, and you're not ready because you say, hey, if, I, if I say it now, if I say it now, she's too defensive. He's too defensive, and so I'm just going to leave it there. But you are convinced that this thing is a problem in this person's life. Maybe you are just meant to be level three or level four. Why don't we receive, though? We don't receive because many times we, some of us want to keep a view of ourselves that we have already created in our minds. You exaggerate too much. Tell me a time when I've done that. <laughs> well, this one and this one and this one. It's not really you start defending like, ah, ah. You have created a view of yourself. You wrong people of the wrong way. Maybe that's, just, maybe that's just my nature. Why can't you accept that way? No, it's not that. Your, your nature can improve. I, I don't like how this is going. I know some people, they had level four friends always there for them, supporting them. The moment that level four friend said, I want to move the conversation to a level five thing, I want to critique you, I want to, they cut them loose. They cut them loose. It's a pattern that they cut loose every level four friend that wants to move to level five. It's like this one has now crossed their boundary. Can I tell you, if you are that kind of person, you are in a very dangerous place. You are in a very dangerous place. And if you are somebody who has authority and you do that kind of thing, you most likely will be an abuser. Because you will be doing bad things and nobody can tell you that you don't continue on this road. Are you like that? What I'm saying is this. Listen, I am not saying that all our friends should be level five friends. In fact, I think it goes smaller, right? You start with this set for level three. When it gets to level four, it should be like this. Then when it gets to level five, it should be like this. But if you don't have a combination of these kinds of friends in your life, you will not flourish in life. Amen? Finally, I remember one person in church came to meet me last year and said, ah, there's this person, they are meant to be very good friends, and she does this kind of thing, she does this kind of thing that she just doesn't know, can I? Now, I could talk to that other person. I could have spoken to the other person. I now told that person, I said, this is a test. I paraphrased and I said, this is a test to show whether you are level four friends or level five friends. And she had a conversation with her. May God make us level five friends in people's lives. May God grant us level five friends in our own lives. Amen. Well, let me quickly finish with my final point. Some people, and final point is the treasure of communication. Some of us here would say something like this. This is unrealistic. Because if I do this, people will take advantage of me. They will take advantage of me. And I'm not strong enough to get, or I'm not strong enough, I'm not strong enough to receive, I'm not strong enough to give critique. Because I live in the real world, in the real world, when I receive it, I'm not strong enough, I get hurt. It, when I give it out, I'm not, um, I, I don't know how to mince my words well, I hurt people. So all you just said is nice, it's great, but that doesn't make real sense in the real world. Maybe you don't live in the real world. I actually do, and let me not lie to you, that what you just said, <laughs> I'm still working it out myself. I'm still working it out myself. But I think I can help you if you're in that place where you feel this is not possible. I think I can help you. It all really starts with a brainwave. What do you mean by brainwave? How many of us have ever had a brainwave? You know what I mean? Brainwave, brain idea for your business, or something at work, or something like, like in a particular period, you just feel like, 
boom, almost this thing is working. Ah, now I can see it. Have you ever had those, those times? Yeah, I remember one time in uni, my first year, my PhD, I was, I was about to fail. Oh. I was, uh, it's a good thing that now I didn't fail, so I can talk now. But I was meant to give final year report, and I didn't have, some, my code wasn't working. It wasn't giving me the results. And I don't remember what happened. I, I was getting close to the thing. As I was walking home, one particular night, I given up. Walking home, I think I was praying. I was whatever. I'm not sitting there in front of the computer. I'm not everything just... I saw where the problem was. I saw where the problem was. I've been working on this thing for months. I went home, quickly sat down. Within 20 minutes, everything was solved. When that thing came to me, it was like the secrets of the universe had opened up. <laughs> Do you understand? And you know what I mean. Like, when you solve something, like, it's like, I got revelation. Maybe you musicians too have that. Maybe you write a song where you, you know, just like, I found it. I've cracked it. It was like I got revelation from God. It was like, I got inside knowledge that other people did not have. And actually, Christians do believe it is revelation. There is, is what is called in Christian theology general revelation. God is actually giving you certain knowledge about things about this universe. In other words, God is saying, I'm being your friend. Why? Because I am letting you know something that other people necessarily don't know. Do you understand that? God is in the business of making friends. God had friends in the Bible. In 2 Chronicles 20, verse 7, and Isaiah 41, verse 8, we are told about a friend of God. You know his name? His name was Abraham. This is what he says. He says, oh God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of who? Abraham, what? Or oh, Isaiah 41, verse 8, what does he say? He says, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of who? Abraham. My? Abraham was God's friend. But can I tell you that God is still in the business of making friends? God is still in the business of making friends. How? God is still showing people and calling people and letting them know what it is that he's trying to do. Yes, he can give you general revelation. Yes, he could have established friendship with Abraham before. When God, how we know that God was Abraham's friend was in Genesis chapter 18, God said, I'm going, he was going to do something significant. He was going to destroy a particular place. And in verse 17, he says this. Then the Lord said, shall I hide what from Abraham what I am about to what? Do. Abraham was God's friend because he wasn't hiding things from him. And I can tell you here that God is still in the business of making friends because he tells you significant things that he's doing in this world. Why do you think God, on the one hand, was saying it through prophets, but on the other hand, God himself became a human being and then said, I want to give you certain words. Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 15, verse 15 he says this, put it up, I no longer call you servants because what? Servant, know what his master's business. Instead, I have called you. Friends. Why? For. Amen. God is still making friends. And God is saying there is something more significant than your business. Something more significant than your consultancy. All these things. We, God is really in the business of giving to you, giving you knowledge. But he's saying, there is something even more significant than that I want to tell you. And do you know what that secret is? Do you know what that secret of the, of, of the universe is? I am making all things new. He'd be like, oh, uh, why is that significant? Well, well, uh, have you been outside recently? The sun is burning, oh. Burning our skins. Hamatan is making everything dry. And you think that one is just small, okay? But there are wars everywhere. Are you satisfied with the way this country is? Are you satisfied with the way everything is going on? Maybe you are, but you are getting old. Your hair is getting gray. You are getting sick. Your parents are getting ill. Eventually, all of us go the way of the grave. God is saying, I am making everything new. I have not left this world to just go in doldrums. I have not left this world to its own devices. I am going to do something about it. And he is saying, this thing I'm going to do about it, I'm not keeping it as a secret. I am making things new and I want you to know about it. And I sent Jesus for that. He said something else. If I, though I want to make all things new, 
I'm starting with you. I will not make this world new if I don't start with you. But for me to do that to you, I have to tell you some more things. There are still some things I have to tell you. And so that's why in John 17, verse 8, he says this, For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They believed that you what? Sent me. And what is it? In verse 3, what is it that he sent it to them? He said, Now this is eternal life, that they what? Know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What is he saying? He's saying you can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. But for you to have eternal life in Jesus Christ, he needs to be honest with you. You see, what those friends told you about yourself that you, that you, didn't, that you did not accept, what you have been suspecting about yourself that you haven't accepted, you know what God is saying? You are worse than you think. The ultimate critique of your life is going to come from God who not just sees your actions, he sees your heart. He's saying that you are worse than what you think. Can you receive that? Jesus said that they accepted the, what he said about them. But how is it that I'm worse than I, 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 than I think and yet I can receive eternal life? Because you are more loved than you dared imagine. God is revealing secrets. He's still making people his friends. That's why he sent Jesus Christ. Because on the cross of Jesus Christ, on the one hand, how bad you were was magnified on that cross. It was shown and revealed on that cross. But how loved you are. How God is making all things new. He did by sending Jesus Christ. And he's letting you know it. Why? Because you are his friends. This is the friend we all need. This is the one who speaks to us and speaks to us tenderly even though he speaks to us firmly but then you are saying something you say okay but Jesus died and Jesus rose and Jesus returned to him Jesus is not here to speak to me again so I can't have friendship with God those are those disciples how do I hear the words of God now that Jesus has gone hold on you know when David, Jonathan went to meet David in the desert of Ziph what did he say? He says that what? He helped him find strength in God. You know what he says after that? Jonathan left and went home. And when he went home, Jonathan and David never spoke to each other again until Jonathan died. And you are saying, it's good to have the friend occasionally, but I like to have a friend all the time. I, I like to have that relationship. And so you see what happened with Jonathan and David? That's exactly what's happening with Jesus. He rose again and he had left. Who is going to give me the words of God? Oh, but you don't understand why Jesus left. He left because he was going to send another one like him. And that one like him was also going to give you the words of Jesus Christ himself. Look at what John chapter 18 and 16 says. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me. Why? Because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known what to you. God is in the business of making friends, but not just like Jonathan. Because even though Jonathan was David's friend, Jonathan died and Jonathan is still dead. But Jesus Christ rose again. And when Jesus Christ returned to heaven, what did he do? He sent another just like him to continue to reveal the words of God to you. Where can you find this Holy Spirit? Well, you can find him through the word of God. He is the one that illuminates the Bible and the word of God to speak tenderly to your heart. But he's also there in the preached word, the taught word and the people of God. Don't shortchange yourself. Don't stay away from God. He wants to be friends with you. Find him in the community of the saints. Find him in his word. And accept whatever he says about you because he will always tell you two things. He's there to support you. He's there to hold you accountable. But he's there to also show you that he loves you. And so I, can, I want to say this. If the critique of the one who matters the most does not condemn you but leads you to eternal life, if you have that, then you can pursue the friendships that he has, he has given to you. You can receive the wounds from other friends. If you have the wound from the deepest friend that does not cause you to be condemned but then brings you into eternal life, then the deep friends that he's given you, you can receive the wounds that they have given you. Is it clear? You have Jesus, then you can pursue other friends. And 
Don't forget what Jesus did on the cross. He inconvenienced himself for our own lives. If you are scared that I can't tell that person this thing because it may, it may, it may ruin our relationship, don't forget that Jesus was inconvenienced for you to receive life. Inconvenience yourself so that you can bring life to your friends. It's only through the gospel and when we receive the gospel that we can be the friends that God wants us to be. Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church. Love Jesus. Love people. Love Lagos.